goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends. It is indeed Monday, and here we are, Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the telephone number, 800-848-9222. As usual, news bursting forth from the seams of life. George Santos expelled from Congress last week, is still in the news. I read, I didn't print this story, but I, I read it today. HBO is going to do a movie on George Santos. I, a movie on George Santos. I would like to know where the HBO movies are in the production line for, let's say, Eric uh, Swalwell and Fang Fang. Where's the Eric and Fang Fang movie? Where is the Adam Schiff movie? Where are the movies about Hillary Clinton's missing server and missing emails? Where are the movies for, I don't know, are they planning a Menendez movie? Lost in Turkey or something like that uh, for, for, for Senator Menendez? I mean, if we're going to go and do a movie, HBO, for George Santos, why stop there? If he's so interesting, why not some of the other characters in Congress? How about an Ilhan Omar movie, Marriage Done Right? Or uh, who was uh, this this woman, Jayapal, is in the news lately. How about a movie for her? If you're going to do George Santos, if let's do George. HBO does George. Let's 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 expand it. Let's just let's just do a political channel and cover them all. Of course they won't. And watch, it'll be done right in time for the next elections. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, SantaCon is coming to New York. Why did I just get the middle finger from somebody? <laughs> Why did you just give me? I, the- I hate that. I hate that. That. Whatever you want to call it, SantaCon. That is the worst thing for New York City you could ever have. Wow. Do you hate Santa that much? Are you, are you, not, that are you I, just, not that I hate Santa. It's, a, it's just, oh, they, they come in the city, they get belligerent, they're drunk, they're just, oh, that's just the worst. They're on the train, half in the bag on the train, they're causing problems on the subways, they're causing problems on the railroad. It's just, uh, I, I, oh. Well, now I want to participate just to piss you off. <laughs> well, I have news. See what for I'm you dealing with should, here. Yes, I see. I have news for you, Rich, that should make you feel better about SantaCon this year. The MTA is issuing a booze ban on the Long Island Railroad and Metro North trains when SantaCon comes a calling this weekend. In anticipation of the booze-soaked revelry featuring pub crawlers and. Santa Claus costumes making the rounds. The Long Island Railroad, the MNR, will ban alcohol on trains 
and on train platforms. 4 a.m. Saturday until noon. Wow. I guess they figure some of them are going to still be boozed up on Sunday morning. So on, uh, it, it ends, the ban on alcohol on the platforms and the trains ends on Sunday, December 10th. Hey, you know, the party never ends, right? They're all boozed up on Sunday. I guess. <clears throat> so now there's a, a charitable component to these boozy Santas. They are asked to make a $15 donation to charities in return for participating in SantaCon. So that's coming up this weekend, and we shall see whether it holds to which is prediction of lewd drunkenness all around New York City because drunk Santa is in town. Have you? Did you ever see that movie Bad Santa? Ah, oh, classic. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first year I saw that. I'm not a big Christmas movie guy. What's one? You got to see Bad Santa. You got to see Bad Santa. I watched Bad Santa, and I was like, finally, a Christmas. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I mean, it's no, yes. it, it's no elf or Christmas story or, or, you know, it's a wonderful it, it life, is. but hey, it's up there. <laughs> Diego, have you ever seen Bad Santa? No, but I want to now. Okay. This is your homework assignment for the Christmas season. I would like you to watch Bad Santa and not only watch it, then give us a review on one of the shows before Christmas, Diego's review of Bad Santa. Okay. Sounds good. All right. That sounds good to me, too. All right. Moving on the political front. Oh, before we do that, does anybody have cats? Any of you people own cats? Do you like cats? There are dog people. There are cat people. There are no pet people. There are also bird people. Uh, I have some distressing news for those of you who are cat people. The Daily Mail today has published an article regarding a story about a new researcher. 17 studies have been reviewed by University of Queensland, Australia researchers. They did a meta-analysis of existing studies from 11 countries, including the United States of America and United Kingdom. And what they found is that individuals exposed to cats before the age of 25 had approximately twice the odds of developing schizophrenia. Yes, it is startling. Let me repeat that. Individuals who were exposed to cats before they turned 25 years old, had approximately twice the odds, these researchers say, of developing schizophrenia. In their research paper, the scientists pose that the link to cats and schizophrenia is likely due to a parasite that is found in the cats called Toxoplasma gondii, 
also known as T. Gandhi. It can enter the body through a cat bite. You know, things entering the body, we have been doing stories about those lately. They're popping up in the news. Certain things entering the body uh, 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 is in natural fashion or because they were induced into the body by human beings. Last week, we covered that at length. <clears throat> What's in your booty? Um, the parasite can enter the central nervous system, affect neurotransmitters in the brain, leading to personality changes, psychotic symptoms, and psychiatric disorders such as schizophrenia. So, public service announcement, there you have it. You have cats, you're young, before you're 25, you're twice as likely to go schizoid on everybody. Consider yourselves warned. Um, Okay. There's also a longer story that I cannot get into today. This story I found somewhat surprising, but it's too involved. So we'll have to set it aside for either the Saturday show or for a day when we don't have so much political news bursting at the scene. And this comes from the Los Angeles Times today. Biting, kicking, hurling blocks. Preschools struggle with California law limiting expulsion. Now, I didn't know this was a thing, that preschoolers were being expelled from preschool to the point that California had to legislate it. And now, apparently, since the COVID-19 pandemic, behavior among children at the state's preschools has gotten out of hand. Biting has been more frequent among the three-year-olds. Hitting, kicking is commonplace. A few children have started hurling wooden blocks and even chairs. Chairs in preschool, they're hurling chairs across the classroom. At least one-third of one teacher's, her 17, uh, one-third of her 17 classrooms, the behaviors that are happening in there endanger children and teachers. Two years before the pandemic, California began passing a series of highly lauded laws that restrict state-funded child care centers from suspending or expelling children. California legislation was part of a national wave that followed the 2014 Obama administration statement condemning preschool expulsions. So Obama was behind this, too, just like he was behind letting uh, uh, these aberrant kids stay in high schools and junior high schools, one of which turned out to be this Parkland massacre guy because they didn't want to kick him out of school either. So leave the bad apples in school, even now in preschool. We'll have more on that one. Where are their parents? What are their parents doing? Your kids biting kids at school hurling blocks at other kids, throwing chairs in preschool. What are they teaching these children in the households? One has to wonder. Okay, returning to the political news of the day, there is a huge story today in the New York Post. Congratulations, New York Post. You don't fail to report things that other major publications just seem to leave out of their news reporting at all, like this one. 
Biden, speaking of President Joe Biden, received a reoccurring payment of $1,380 from his son Hunter's law firm beginning in 2008. Shortly after, a bank money laundering officer warned that the same account was receiving millions of dollars in Chinese government-linked funds without any services being rendered. So, let me summarize this for the liberals who continue to say that there's no evidence. You people are just talking up a storm here. There's absolutely no evidence. Let me just restate that in words that you might understand before you ignore it. Hunter Biden's bank account, account had been the subject of discussion among compliance officers at banks. Hey, it looks like there's some money laundering going on in here. You're getting millions of dollars for the Chinese, but there are no services that you're billing out. You're just taking in millions. And now we learn that there was a monthly payment kicked up, or rather I should say dispersed to then-former Vice President Joe Biden. You can find that story today in the New York Post. From thehill.com today, Trump goes after Drudge. Well, I've been waiting for this story. Former President Trump attacked the Drudge Report. Now, keep in mind that the Drudge Report today is not the Drudge Report that many of you grew to know and love. It is a very different sort of publication online. Now, uh, Donald Trump wrote, something happened, but when the when Drudge went anti-Trump, the site fell apart, very much like Ron DeSanctis. That is what Donald Trump wrote on his true social platform. It happened instantly without notice, but I believe I know the reason why. Drudge had a big moment, but now it's gone, never to resurface again. It is totally irrelevant. That often happens when people cover Trump unfairly. I love it. On Monday, the banner story on Drudge read, Trump attacks Drudge. So, there you have it. Liz Cheney, Elizabeth Cheney, former Kicked out of the House, Representative Elizabeth Cheney has been on a roll. She is repeating now a line that you find popping up every day in newspapers around the country. Different authors, same mantra, that a second term of Donald Trump would be a dictatorship. They must have polled that phrase because it is becoming commonplace in news coverage. Well, Lindsey Graham has responded to former Elizabeth Cheney's warnings about a second term for Donald Trump being a dictatorship. By the way, uh, Ms. Cheney says she is for the Democrats winning. No kidding. And he's just says, does he, Mr. Graham, that a continuation of the Biden presidency would be a disaster for peace and prosperity at home and abroad. He notes that the border is broken. The only person who's going to really fix that border is Donald Trump. Lindsey Graham also said when Trump was president, none of this stuff was going on in the Ukraine. Uh, in the Ukraine, by the way, news story today, unless 
Congress acts almost immediately. Ukraine is going to be out of money in December. So it's up to us to give Ukraine money to continue to fight the war, and we better do it soon, to which I want to know, there are a lot of countries interested in seeing that Ukraine prevails over Russia. Why is the United States the only country that is being asked to fork over the funds? But back to this one. Lindsey Graham rebutted Liz Cheney and basically accused her of Trump hate, which we all know. (sighs) On this day, 1964, the Beatles released their fourth album, Beatles for Sale. Lots of music on that album, but this one was the big hit. Eight days a week. That album spent 11 weeks at number one in the UK. Spent a lot of time on the charts here in the States, too. James Golden, Boston Early with you here. Boston Early's Rush Hour. Stay with us. As Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Heavenly birthday today for Dennis Wilson, American musician, singer, songwriter, co founder of, of course, the Beach Boys. Best remembered as the drummer. He drowned in 1983 while swimming from his boat in Marina Del Rey out in Cali on December 28, 1983. Speaking of drummer, and we played the Beatles beforehand, I, I saw a video over the weekend. It was sent to me by a very high-level musician whose name I will not give because I don't want people responding to it with him if they don't like what the contents of the video was, as I will tell you. Uh, The video featured Bernard Purdy. Now, many of you in the musician world know Bernard Purdy. We used to call him Pretty Purdy. Pretty Purdy was drummer for Brown, James Brown, Pretty Purdy, like Rocksteady, Aretha Franklin, and so many other hits. Pretty Purdy was one of the baddest drummers of the age. There have been rumors, all decades old rumors, that Pretty Purdy played on a lot of the Beatles records and was never given credit. Pretty Purdy was interviewed about that, and he confirmed that he did play on at least 20 Beatles records. He used to say we were brought in session musicians to fix the records. 
And he also said that half of the records he played on with the Beatles and early hits didn't even have drums recorded on them. He was the one that came in, was Bill the drum. And to him, he said it was just a job. He didn't even know that much about the Beatles. It was just one of the jobs he did on a regular basis. He was brought in by Capitol Records. He said he explained these record companies used to spend millions of dollars to get these records produced, and they needed uh, drum tracks that were not whatever. Now, I say this because Pretty Purdy right now is struggling financially and struggling health-wise. And he has contributed so much to the music industry. Meanwhile, people contrast this and say, you know, Ringo just got another award worth $385 million or something, according to whatever. And look, the guys, the session musicians that actually did some of the work that they accredited for are still starving. And I just point that out, just one of those things. If music interests you, if you, we have a lot of musicians in this audience. If you know Pretty Purdy, you want to help out or whatever, i just pointing out the story. But these rumors have been swirling around for years. First time I've seen an interview where, for decades, where Pretty Purdy actually talked about it. He said his, by the way, he also indicated that he has been threatened over the years not to go public and disclose his role in some very famous records. So which I found a little bit odd, but true. Have you been following the story of this kid, this nine-year-old kid, Chiefs fan that that showed up with a painted face, half of the face was black, the other half was red, the, the colors of the football team? A reporter from a journalist with Deadspin accused him of being a racist. This has been going on in the news now for the past two weeks. Nine-year-old kid. And this kid has gotten, and his family have gotten a lot of bad press, and they've defended themselves. He was just wearing the team's colors, and he also had on Indian headdress. And by the way, this kid is also part Native American. Well, from what I have been reading, the folks over at Deadspin have refused to correct the situation. The lawyers are involved now. They are threatening legal action against Deadspin and their publisher, G.O. Media and Great Hill Partners. And they say that the articles post on this boy and photos about him and his parents have to be retracted immediately. Get them out immediately. And so we shall see what happens with that. Again, if you want to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. It's time to check in with traffic now, today. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, 1971. Starts a two-week number one run. The album is with the four symbols, otherwise known as Led Zeppelin Four. The eight-minute track, Stairway to Heaven, goes to number one. This is probably one of the most famous guitar licks in the history of modern music. Nineteen seventy-one, Led Zeppelin on WABC Talk Radio seventy-seven.
Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Big pimpin', baby. That's right. Big pimpin', spinning cheese. Yeah, Jay-Z. In the news today on December 4th. Back in the year, what was it, 1999 on this day, Mr. Z was released on $50,000 bail after being accused of attacking Lance Rivera. A fight broke out at a party for Q-Tip here in Manhattan. Now, this is also Mr. Z's birthday, born in 1969. Jay-Z and his wife now have an estimated net worth of $1.16 billion. So I guess happy birthday and happy jail anniversary for Mr. Z. And we hope that Mr. and Mrs. Z are enjoying the birthday celebration on WABC. Let's head to, uh, oh, a few things. First, I'm going to go through some headlines. We'll get to it. There's a new Pew Research Center poll. Household wealth went up during the COVID years, but black and Hispanic families are still in debt. Mm. Yeah, ask yourself why. The president of the United Nations Climate Confab, you'll find this in the Daily BS today, says that there admits that there is no science behind the push to phase out fossil fuels. His name is Al Jabber. He says there is no science out there or no scenario out there that says the phase out of fossil fuels is what's going to achieve 1.5. That would be what the stated reduction is in the Celsius. They want to reduce the temperature by 1.5 degrees Celsius. He says there's no. He says, please help me. Show me the roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow for sustainable socioeconomic development unless you want to take the world back to caves. Now, other people at the UN are furious that he is telling the truth. This next brief story, we'll get to phones really quickly, so be ready if you're on hold. Um, The teachers' union representative has been suspended for her anti-Semitic online post. As soon as I said, as soon as I read the first paragraph, I kid you not, as soon as I read this first paragraph, I said, I bet you this happened in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is, it is such an uber leftist county. It equates any county of leftism that's in California, Montgomery County, the most, probably one of the most liberal counties in the entire United States, let alone the East Coast. Soon as I read the first paragraph, I said this had to happen in Montgomery County. So here's what it says. A Maryland teachers union official has been suspended after being accused of spreading anti-Semitism online, including she put a list of wealthy Jews she called gluttons and thieves out. Angela Wolf, who heads an English department at Tacoma Park Middle School in lefty-leaning Montgomery County, 
penned a series of anti-Israel online rants that finally got her bosses to send her home. She went so far as to post the names that allege the net worth of five wealthy locals with Jewish last names and accused them of being crooks. None of these people invented anything useful and are have done a damn thing to further the needs of communities. They are gluttons and thieves. They accumulated this kind of wealth through abusing workers. This woman is a teacher's union official in Montgomery County. There is an Israeli gentleman in Pennsylvania who runs a falafel joint. Hundreds of quote-unquote pro-Palestinian protesters decided they wanted to pretty much declare war on his business. They gathered outside his store last night. They accused him, him. He sells falafels. They accused him of committing genocide. They vandalized his restaurant. Goldie Goldie, that's that's what they call him. Goldie Goldie. You can't hide. We charge you with genocide. This was their chance. These pro-Palestinian supporters also vandalized a TD bank and a Starbucks. Let us see if they get the January 6th treatment. They won't. Let us head to the telephone, Sandra, in New Jersey. You are up first. Boston News Rush Hour here on WABC. Hi, James. You know, speaking about Philadelphia, they have a good governor there, Josh Shapiro, and I think he did take an action. I don't know how strong it would be, but what I wanted to really talk about was um, George Santos. He's a colorful character, and I'm going to miss him, even though he was on Saturday Night Live. They did a nice imitation of him, and it made me happy to see him in, in some way, if it's not the real thing. But, you know, you said, oh, they should do a movie on uh, Bob Menendez. Honestly, he would be boring. This guy, there was something very unique about him, something that you're not going to see again for a long time. There was something very unusual about him. And, and and I feel sad because as a recruiter, whoever represented him early, early on, could have checked, did he go to Baruch College? That would have been so easy, either bring me a transcript or check it yourself. They didn't do that. And unfortunately, if they caught the lie early, he would have been, you know, maybe stopped lying after that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have been entertained by him so much. So, I mean, you know, it, it, and, and he wouldn't be getting an HBO movie. He's out right now. I understand he's on that site, Cameo. He's charging 150 bucks a piece for Cameo appearances on Cameo, so he didn't waste any time. And he says now, by the way, post uh, the, the press went after him, the paparazzi here, the political paparazzi, and he's basically telling him, get lost. I don't have to talk to you anymore. I'm not a congressman. So we'll see what happens with him. Of course, he's still got a trial coming up. I thank you. Now, Sandra, you did mention that Pennsylvania's governor, who you described as good, I might take issue with that. But anyway, he did this 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 pro-Palestinian vandalism that took place in Philadelphia, including targeting an Israeli-owned, um, um, a Jewish-owned restaurant. He said, "Tonight in Philly, we saw a blatant act of anti-Semitism, not a peaceful protest. A restaurant was targeted and mobbed because its owner is Jewish and Israeli. 
This hate and bigotry is reminiscent of a dark time in history, and he called the restaurant owner to express his support. Nowhere in here do I read that he has assembled a high-level task force to track down every one of these supporters and make sure that they get ju- that they are brought to full account for the vandalism and the harassment. But, you know, we'll see whether it happens. Edward in Greenwich, how are you, Edward? Thank you for waiting. Hey, Bo Snerdley, how are you? I love your Good, show. Thank you. I love your golden ear for music. Thank what does you. a cool cat like you have a, have a, a killjoy that hates SantaCon working for the show? Come on, doesn't he understand? We need to get those people that are taking the train into the city back in this city, uh, or this city's going to be in big trouble. So you like SantaCon. Yeah, as soon as I started this story, Rich gave it the finger, and I'm like, I thought he was giving me the finger. I was like, what? <laughs> but no, okay. So SantaCon, I guess yeah, uh, people that ride the trains don't look. When you're on a train and you have people drunk and acting fools, it, it makes. Here comes Rich right now. I will let him answer the. I will let him answer this himself. Uh, Rich, this gentleman has a question for you. He wants to know what you have against SantaCon. What is your problem I, with SantaCon? You know, first of all, the yes, it was not directed at you. The uh, the gesture. It was directed. I know. At the thank action you. Of that, I would never do that to you, James. I love you. Uh, it's just, that's what they do. They make a mess. They come in, they think they own the city, they, they think they own the railroad train, they think they own everything. They come in, they make a mess, they spread out, they get loud, they get belligerent, and it just is, it's just, you know, not good for the city. I, I just don't think it's a good look, that's all. Edward? You have in your apartment. How many cats does he have in his apartment? <laughs> I have zero cats, and I have zero apartments. I'm going to so challenge that. <laughs> okay. How many cats do you have there, Edward? I have zero cats. Ah, a likely story. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. Hey, Bo, can I make, can I make one more quick comment? Thanks, for Rich. This? I need your help on something. Yes, go ahead, please. I want, I want you to advertise a new idea for certainly New York City. I think police, bus drivers, and other professionals that are out there that are getting spit on, there's a big spitting increase since COVID, should be given uh, some kind of device to collect the spit, and if you get spit on while you're working for this city, that spit should go into the DNA database. I could not agree with you more. This is exactly what I said. Where is the January 6th style approach to making sure that these protesters are actually brought to account. And that is exactly the kind of thing that happened. They spent every resource imaginable making sure that they could track down every one of them. Edward, you are absolutely on point with that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let us go, my friends, to Pamela in New Jersey. Hello, Pamela. How are you? Hello. Um, You know, in reference to the CAT study, I am very suspect of Australia, which has gone woke, and a lot of these greenies, had declared war on our friendly cows and pets and et cetera. Cats have always, cat owners have always been aware on a bag of cat litter, there's a warning about toxoplasmosis, that pregnant woman should not clean the litter box, or if she has to, if she lives alone or, or whatever, to, you know, just be careful, wear gloves and a mask. Uh, so that's been known for a long time. 
Now, you know, people, cats have a hard enough time finding a home. And this yes. study uh, frightens <clears throat> me into thinking people are going to dump their animals because, you know, during COVID and everything, people uh, were feeding the birds, taking in pets. And, you know, when COVID was over, a lot of these animals were dumped. And I know because yes. I took some of them in. And um, I think it's rather reckless of them to declare this. Tox- toxoplasmosis has been around forever, and we know about it. You just have to well, be careful. You. you don't go around eating the fecal material in your litter box. You just got to be careful. And um, cat bites, you know, should be careful. You should cleanse them and keep an eye on them. And, um, you know, just like anything, a human bite, like that, that student you were talking about, that, that's probably even uh, just as or more dangerous. Well, you know what? Thank you so much, Pamela. I have a special love for cats, by the way. I had a cat. Her name was Pandora. And I also support um, uh, cat. There's a cat charity that I've been supporting with donations for years, and I still do. So I appreciate your passion for the cats, for the felines. 2020, 20, I'm sorry, 2002. On this day, Whitney Houston admitted in a television interview that drink and drugs nearly killed her. She was married to Bobby Brown at the time. She also admitted she was addicted to sex. <clears throat> she said her business is sex, drugs, and rock and roll and got into the lifestyle after she missed out on partying when her career kicked off when she was just 18 years old. Whitney Houston. Time to check in with Lou Dobbs, coming back with some of your calls before we get out of here today. So stay with us here on Boston Early's Rush Hour. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 1970, 1993, I'm sorry. The date Frank Zappa passed away on this date in 1993. Multi-instrumentalist, producer, composer, died of prostate cancer. Of course, you remember Frank Zappa's work with the Mothers of Invention, his solo career. And Frank Zappa had, I don't know, some of the most unusual names for his children. Four children with Adelaide Gail Slotman. Four children. The children's names, Moon Unit, Dweezel, Amit, and Muka Rodin, and Diva Thin Muffin Pigeon. This is, he names his children. They named their children. Moon Unit, Dweezel, Ameta Muka Rodin, and Diva Thin Muffin Pigeon. Pigeon. But you got to love Frank Zappa. All right, telephones, uh, let's go back really quickly. Let's go to Susan. Hello, Susan, upstate New York. How are you, Susan? Oh, 
I'm terrible, actually. After hearing the results of this lawsuit we were talking about that came through, um, New York State Fourth uh, Judicial Department has reinstated controversial, I call that more like communist policy, that empowers the state government to lawfully order people forcibly slash involuntarily to isolate in quarantine in order to prevent spread of highly contagious diseases. Now, I want to know what else is in this bill and this, this um, you know, court of appeals that is just completely woke. Um, and I think that we're going to see hundreds of thousands of people will leave New York state. This is a whole statewide thing. It's ridiculous. Well, I hope that this is not over legally, and I hope that actually some brave patriots try to take this matter up to the Supreme Court. You know, we are not by a long shot done with COVID-era policies and lawsuits, and this is another example of why we should not be done with them. Thank you, Susan, for always staying on top of this. Sal in Staten Island, you're up next. As usual, Bo, you're right on the money, and you're a great guy and a godsend. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm going to hit you rapid fire. The world has gone nuts, and the United States government has, is, is insane. More, more people waving communist China flags in San Francisco than American flags when that rat who killed all those people with COVID, six million around the world. But I do have a good news. On Channel 11 last week, there was a moving story about an American veteran who would not give up his beautiful canine, who they're both fighting for their lives. And they received help from pours of war out in Suffolk County in Ronkakamo. It was last Wednesday or Thursday. They repeated it, Wednesday and Thursday. Keith Lopez, Sal, that, story. So, th- that is so awesome. Sal, that is a great, great holiday story. And thank you so much for sharing. Got to head quickly to Gail in Staten Island. We stay in Staten Island. Got to make it quick, Gail. We're running out of time. Uh, Listen, uh, good afternoon, James. Um, thanks to our open border policy and our city being a sanctuary city, when the people come in and the young people for uh, SantaCon getting drunk and the illegal aliens that are living here and they start robbing them and throwing them in front of a train or getting hurt and drunk and in an alleyway, then we'll hear how bad it is. That's our city wow. today. Sad note. Thank you, Gail. Appreciate the call as always, darling. Okay, before we head out today, I just want to say a special happy birthday to Jordan Schrock. Now, Rhonda Schrock is with us on Saturday. She's America's small caffeinated mom, always inspiring words. And she has shared with us the story of the Schrock family, how their son had been lost to drugs and homelessness for years. And thanks to an ever vigilant trust in God, he was brought back home. She says today's his 31st 34th birthday three years ago on this day he was in jail now he loves his church so much and she sent a photo that shows his transformation his growth in wisdom insight righteousness blessed us greatly no one can ever tell me there is no god or that prayer doesn't work amen to that and happy birthday jordan May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Thank you. Love and gratitude to you for being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, back tomorrow, 4 o'clock, for Bosnia's Rush Hour. And until then, bye. Bye.